Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's mentally yours from Ellen Uh, focus on your mental health, you surely won't regret. It's mentally, 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 mentally yours. Mentally yours. Mentally yours. Hi everyone, and welcome to Mentally Yours, Metro.co.uk's mental health podcast. We're recording a special series at the moment about mental health and the coronavirus epidemic. And we're recording these from home in self-isolation. Today I'm going to be chatting to Professor Neil Greenberg. He works for the Royal College of Psychiatrists and also King's College. He's going to be giving us advice on how to manage mental health issues during the pandemic, from daily stress to what to do if a loved one becomes very mentally ill. So what can we all do during these troubled times to reduce anxiety and stress at the moment? Well, um, clearly during the um, current situation, most of us are remaining indoors most of the time. Um, that presents a number of challenges uh, psychologically. Um, we both have to deal with our isolation uh, from other people, but also we may well have to uh, also deal with uh, people who are in our house who we normally don't see for quite so much. Um, I think it, what you need to do very much depends on your situation. So if you are um, very isolated, you know, if you're living alone, uh, for instance, then actually it's really important, and I'm not telling you anything you won't already know, that you need to make proactive efforts to reach out and stay in contact with other people and not just wait for them to get in touch with you. Um, that's really important. It's, it's not just good for your mental health, but it's also probably good for other people's mental health to stay more connected than you normally would be. In normal life, we get our social support from um, being at work, having a chat with someone at the bus stop or in the shops, uh, and just generally interacting with people. And we probably don't even recognize that we're actually getting any support or benefit from it. If we're at home by ourselves all the time, then actually the only sort of communication we have, unless we reach out, is what comes from the television. And one of the challenges at the moment, uh, or from the radio, that is, and one of the challenges at the moment 
is that uh, listening to media um, information about uh, what's going on can actually cause a lot of anxiety. Uh, the situation is inherently uh, rather unpredictable. And hearing an expert on the TV or radio talking about what might happen or uh, news of yet another um, unpleasant statistic uh, about the situation tends to cause many of us to feel really quite anxious. Um, and the best advice really is to really limit the amount of time that you spend surfing the net or looking at or listening to that sort of information. And really the best place, and for many of us, maybe the only place we should probably get information is from sort of official sources, things like Public Health England, the NHS website and the government briefings. Um, whatever we might think of those, that is the best information we can have in these unsettled times. Um, another thing that's useful is that it's uh, quite common when situations are tough that many of us kind of let things go. So we don't sleep so well, we don't take any exercise, uh, we eat unhealthily, we maybe drink too much, smoke too much, or do a bit of online gambling or something that's not good for us. And at these sorts of times, uh, we know that uh, if your physical well-being is not so good, then your mental well-being is also not so good. So uh, without trying to be too positive about it, this is the time to perhaps get a little fitter, uh, maybe pay a bit better attention to your health and diet, or maybe learn some new skill remotely, of course, um, because actually when this all ends, you, you ideally could do with being in a better um, psychological place to sort of cope with whatever comes next. That's a really good way of looking at it, I think, maybe sort of thinking about trying that vegan diet you've been thinking about or trying that new exercise trend that people are now trying online. Um, what about sort of day to day? What would kind of the perfect mental health day look like, do you, say, do you think? Well, I think in um, for most of us, um, if you if you are at, at home and, and not out being an essential worker, then I think a perfect um, mental health day would involve some sort of routine. So it wouldn't just be getting up when you want or um, lounging around watching uh, watching TV or, or whatever it might be. So I think if you if you're going to do exercise, for instance, try and stick to doing that at a particular time of day. Um, if you're going to communicate with other people, which I would strongly suggest you do, I would do it intermittently throughout the day rather than save it up for that one telephone call to your family in the evening. Um, if we can sort of recreate the way that we interact with others by using remote, remote means, that's a good thing. And most of our interactions are generally pretty brief. So you should stay in touch, send someone a text, um, WhatsApp them to say hello um, and just do little bits of connectivity uh, throughout the day, um, and that's likely to be healthy. Um, and another thing that um, is important is making sure that uh, towards the end of the day that the routine includes getting to bed um, at a reasonable time. Um, and if you find yourself worrying about the situation when you go to bed, then try and give yourself a, a good period of time before you try and go to sleep when you don't have any information about the current situation at all. You know, and that might be. Uh, accompanied by sort of, you know, reading your favorite book or listening to your favorite music um, and that sort of thing to try and prepare yourself to to get as best night's sleep as you can. What about now people with long-term mental health issues? What challenges are they facing and what can they do? Yeah, so th th there's no doubt that if you um, ha have currently have a mental health difficulty or if you've, you know, only recently recovered from one, so you're a bit more vulnerable, this is going to be a particularly challenging time. Um, so what can you do? Well, the best thing you can do is to think back to the times when actually 
you've got over um, a difficulty in the past and what's helped you to do so. So that might be um, talking to a therapist. It might be an online resource or a book that you might have read that's been helpful in the past. And this is a really useful time to a uh, good time to, to top up on the things that got you well in the past. Um, so I would go back and rather than waiting for things to, to get bad, just refresh your memory, uh, reconnecting with people who are sustaining for you and do it now and in advance. And don't wait until this uh, till your mental health deteriorates to a point when actually you're then beginning to need kind of more care if you can. Obviously, if you take medication, then this is a really important time to make sure that you stick to whatever the medication should be. And if you do reach a point where you, you, you're feeling that it's really difficult to cope, there are plenty of helplines and ways uh, that you can access uh, proper support. You know, and that might be through speaking to your GP remotely. It might be through one of the um, mental health helplines that you, you can find like on the Mind website or the NHS Every Mind Matters website. Or, you know, if you're feeling really, really uh, unwell and, and need someone to speak to, then the Samaritans are always available as well. So don't wait until you get into a crisis. Try and adopt a nip it in the bud approach. And when things aren't, aren't good, reach out to other people who are going to sustain you early on. That's such good advice not to wait like that. I've got bipolar disorder. I've been sort of thinking about this because things are sort of all right at the moment, but I think it might be wise to come up with some sort of toolkit in terms of what local help is available because I've been sort of self-managing for ages, but I think it, now would be a good time to at least have like the helplines that are available, like you say, the people that I could turn to at least have some sort of list like that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know whether uh, how busy the helplines are at the moment, but actually if if, if you're thinking about um, sort of what you might do when things become a bit tougher, then actually maybe it's a good time now to phone them even for a little brief chat to try and find out you know what they can provide and, and to, to see which ones you feel most, com most comfortable with. Mm. I think personally for me, it's sort of, it would be between the local services and to be honest, my my long suffering parents, but there, there you are. You said about taking medication as well. And that's obviously very important. Um, I think people are having issues. Well, I'm certainly having issues as well. Um, actually, actually accessing the medication in the first place. So I think there's a lot of stress around that as well. Um, this is a huge question, but what should you do? Um, if you're worried your mental health or relatives who you're self-isolating with, um, is seriously declining? Well, I, th I think if it's getting to the point where you've tried your self-help, you've tried your helplines, you've spoken to your trusted friends and with the best will in the world, none of that is really helping, then actually a mental health crisis is still a crisis. I, I know we're in a, in a time of the world now where everyone's quite rightly thinking about physical health needs. Um, but actually, if you're reaching a point where you need mental health support, you should be speaking to your GP or your local community mental health team key worker, if you've got one, uh, and speaking to them early on saying, you know, I, I'm not coping, I'm going downhill, can you help me? Because I think all the evidence would say that if you can um, get that support before you really reach a, a, a really dark place, it's much more likely to be effective uh, than, than you having, say, a week of where you haven't been sleeping well or you haven't been eating properly and you've been missing your medication and having dark thoughts because by that point you, you're likely to have got yourself into a really, really unpleasant situation. So again, just because everyone's concentrating on physical health issues at the moment, I, I would say your mental health still remains 
vitally important and you should you know, be proactive and, and asking the right people, right professionals uh, for help early on. Mm. And I think sometimes you do need to be fairly insistent about that, to be honest. I mean, we all know how overstretched workers are at the moment, unfortunately, but um, generally the health service is overstretched at the moment. But I think sometimes you do need to really um, sort of put your needs first. Um, yeah, on, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. In, in terms of... Um, if you're living with someone in that sort of situation, what can friends and relatives do if they think that somebody's going into a mental health crisis? Well, because um, normally they just really, sort of nip round, wouldn't they? <laughs> if they could, yeah, absolutely. But but again, the same advice goes in terms of that there are lots of remote means to stay in touch, and you know, with video as well, you can WhatsApp video people. So if you've got the time and you and you you feel you've got the the psychological capacity to do it then actually, if you can be proactive and, and reach out to people who you think are having a tough time, it's really likely to help as well. I think one one useful tip perhaps is it, often we get to speak to people who, who are having mental health difficulties when they're in a particularly dark place, when they're having a crisis. And most of that it revolves around trying to help them see that the crisis is not so bad or to try and encourage them to, to get some help. Um, and you can end up feeling a bit like you're nagging them um, and sometimes it doesn't really help. So actually, if you can, because because mental health difficulties tend to vary quite a bit. So, you know, throughout a day, if someone might not be uh, really down in their mood all the time, or it might be over a few days, actually, there's a, a window or some time when actually things seem okay. It's really good to have a chat about people's mental health at a time that they can really listen to it um, and concentrate on it rather than just dealing with the crisis. And so if you can find a moment when actually people seem in a good state of mind, rather than say, oh, well, let's let's avoid talking about your difficulties now and let's just have a have a pleasant conversation, it's really useful to talk about it then because they're much more likely to be able to have a a, a, a sort of meaningful conversation with you about, about their difficulties. And you can put in place all the plans that might be helpful for when their mood un- or their mental health, unfortunately, deteriorates again. Mm, that sounds so helpful, like working on a plan together. Um, worst case scenario, um, what could you expect if somebody did go into crisis at the moment? How have things changed in terms of the way that services are dealing with people? Well, the the, the risk assessment has changed, obviously. So in, whereas in the past, um, a home treatment team might be able to come around to your house uh, or a crisis team to provide a sort of face-to-face assessment or provide medication or practical support a number of times per day for a short period. Or if you're really unwell uh, and you can find one, you know, a hospital bed might be made available. Whilst those services are still available, the mental health services have got to balance the risk um, to you and also to staff members of bringing you into a place where there's other people who might be infected uh, versus the risk of, of not doing that. So I think most mental health services will have switched over to deliver remote um, video and telephone support. And so that that should absolutely still be available to you in the same way that it has been before. Maybe even more so because um, people haven't got a, the home treatment teams and crisis teams haven't got to travel all around to different people's houses. Um, however, if it gets to the point where actually you are going to need some face-to-face um, uh, support, you know, or maybe even hospital admission, then I think that the the teams who provide that will be doing a careful risk assessment and saying, you know, on balance, um, is it still the right thing to bring someone into hospital? But if it gets to the point that it is, then then it is. And, you know, the hospital beds uh, in mental health um, units are still available. Um, but 
I, I think I think quite rightly you and the healthcare team need to have a more um, sort of structured conversation about what the risks are and, and where the where the risk balance lies that than you might have done say four or five months ago. Mm. Sounds like a really good idea to work out what's happening sort of sooner than later. Like you say, talk through your friends, your plan, but also find out about your local services and if they are offering offering counselling via video chat. Um, what's happening because maybe your first video chat might seem a bit strange and kind of uncomfortable if you're used to a sort of setting where you're seeing someone face to face. So um, probably good to sort of do that sooner rather than later. Um, Going back to sort of people who are supporting those they're living with, do you have any particular advice for someone um, who's self-isolated with someone who's really struggling with their mental health at the moment? Yeah, that, 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 that is, that is a really challenging, uh, situation by, by, for anyone's, um, standards, I think. Um, I think, I think the same advice as, as I said before, I, I would, um, I would definitely not wait until someone is, becomes unwell. I mean, it's, um, until trying to get local services involved. I think it's predictable that if you happen to self isolate and, um, and you're, and you've got some mental health difficulties, you know, your like your anxiety levels are likely to be really high. I think if your health problems, if your mental health problems involve a degree of health anxiety, I think again, um, it's really likely that at the moment you're you're gonna find um it much more difficult to um to 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 sort of cope with those sort of anxieties because of the the difficulties and, and the worries you might have about being infected at the moment. Mm. I really think I really think that the key thing is is back to this kind of nip it in the bud approach and don't wait uh, until um, until things really deteriorate. Another thing which you know is not inevitable by any means, but it but it is fair to say that people who have mental health difficulties sometimes also you know act in in ways that that can be quite frightening. Really, you know, either thinking about injuring themselves or or others or, or breaking things if they're really upset. And, uh, you know, whilst people have to make allowances for, for people's anxiety at the moment, I, again, you shouldn't put yourself at risk um, just because of the situation. So if you've got concerns there, again, I would I would be speaking to local services um, if you feel under sort of any danger yourself or you really feel someone's about to do something really quite drastic. Mm. Have you and your colleagues seen a, a drastic rise in terms of um, sort of serious anxiety disorders and depression at the moment? Um, certainly from, I, I can't speak for, for mental health services as a whole, though mm. I would be surprised if they hadn't. Uh, but certainly from my point of view, yes, the, the, the services that I work with, there definitely has been an increase, not just about health anxiety, which is there, but also anxiety about the, you know, the financial impacts of, of the situation and also the anxiety about, um, having to, you know, be stuck in a, a, a place with, with people that you don't always get on with. Mm. So frac- Relationships are more common, and that causes mental health problems or difficulties by themselves. And also, I think a lot of the um, people who sort of uh, are in business, whilst the government's you know promised this 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 decent package, I think many people are still unsure quite what it means for them and, and quite what their future will be. And and those sort of anxieties, you know, understandably cause people a lot of difficulties. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what effect is the epidemic having on the mental health of professionals at the moment, as in um, health professionals? Well, we know in terms of um, both uh, mental and physical health practitioners that that they're having to adapt to different ways of working. So um, that that's been a challenge, you know, in terms of um, 
you know, dealing with confidentiality and materials and switching to using remote means. So that's that's been more difficult. And of course, healthcare professionals want to provide the best care. And when you can't see people face to face, it can make it more difficult to do so at times. And that can be quite frustrating. Of course, we also need to think of the um, frontline general hospital staff, you know, who are who are currently you know, battling uh, the, the 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 virus and the virus impact on people, you know, in hospitals around. And there's no doubt that that people providing that sort of physical health care at the moment will be under an awful lot of pressure uh, because of the numbers of patients and, of course, the availability of both personal protection equipment, which hopefully is improving now, but also the equipment to save people's lives. Um, and we know that people who, um, who who are trying to do their best and finding it very difficult because because of the, uh, the resources they have or the lack of staffing, they are sort of susceptible to what's often known as moral injury, which is this uh, situation where someone's moral and ethical code can't be fulfilled because of their circumstances. And when you can't do that, you may feel very angry or very guilty, or you may feel very let down uh, because the system hasn't allowed you to save people's lives. Uh, and so certainly the NHS is is currently, you know, planning to do quite a lot to support the mental health of those frontline general hospital staff, because we need to make sure that they carry on being able to deliver great care throughout the crisis, but also importantly, can do so afterwards. Mm. Um, What final words of advice and perhaps comfort would you give to those struggling at present? Um, I think think I'll say a number of things. I think most people who are, who, have, who are having difficulty at the moment will have experienced difficulties in their past and will overcome them. Uh, this situation, we are all told, you know, we don't know how long it will go on, but, but it will end. You know, we have been told it will end. So there is a light at the end of this tunnel, and it, it's not that the world will be a drastically different world to the world we're in now. So things will return to a new semblance of normality. And I think it's really important to to sort of dwell on that as being a hard fact in these times of lots of conflicting and uncertain information. I'd also try and see it as um, as much as you can as an opportunity because we're all in this together and there's not a lot that we can do about it. And so actually rather than try and dwell on all the things that you can't have and things you can't do, if you can begin to turn your mind around to the things that actually you can do differently and that might be you know more time with people that matter remotely or, or face-to-face if they live with you. It might be a new skill. It might be exercise. It might be a healthier lifestyle. But actually, if that's a goal, a positive goal, then if you focus on that for the next number of weeks, that should help you not just now, but it should also help you in, in the future. Um, and so as much as you can, I think trying to look at what can you do when you're in this situation rather than dwelling on, I'd rather not be in it, is likely to help sustain you in the future. One of the things that I found very helpful about that chat was um, Professor Neil's idea about getting a toolkit ready and also thinking about things you should be doing now, you're sort of feeling okay-ish, rather than waiting for things to get worse in terms of your mental health. So if you know you've got a long-term mental health issue, 
thinking about um, having a plan in place if things get worse. So, for instance, I've got bipolar disorder. Usually I just sort of get on with it, take my pills, don't really think about it. Um, but I think it's probably now would be a good idea to sort of think about, you know, who would be the key people that I'd ring if I felt that I was getting a lot worse? What kind of local help is available? Because usually I'm not involved with local services, but to find out sort of the local calm services available, make sure that I have sort of a bit of, even if it's like a piece of paper up with the key numbers, so relatives or friends are going to help out the local calm service and also the GP. And also maybe even finding out about local counselling that I could have, even if that's done via video conferencing. So the idea of thinking, well, you know, what would happen if sort of, not to panic yourself, but thinking about worst case scenario, here's my toolkit for if things get worse. If you've been affected by any of the issues we've been chatting about today, please give the Samaritans a ring on 116123 or go to samaritans.org. If you've enjoyed this chat, you can also find us on Facebook. We have a lovely Facebook group also called Mentally Yours, and we're also on Twitter at MentallyYRS. Thanks very much to Professor Neil Greenberg. Thanks very much to Juliet Nichols, our producer, and to Lucy Baker for our jingles. See you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.